do you agree that you know it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility even for our ancestors that did not know any better been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation <laughs> Well, it's Wake Up With KC. I'm Kimper Lee. And you know what? I've asked this question and, and pondered on this over the years of why are we still divided? Is it just political or is there more to it than that? And today I have a special guest, Karen Tibbles, who joins us today to share her insights and what she studied. And she's even wrote books as well. So please welcome Karen Tibbles. Hello, Karen. Hi, Kimberly. So you made an, I came across uh, your information and I, it was like, I've asked this question. Why are we so divided? Not just politically, but it, yes, even in families that, that are divided. And why is that? Can you share your insight and, you know, who you are, a little bit of background and share with us your insights on that? Sure. Well, I, I have a background where I was studying human behavior and why people act the way they do, but I was doing it for a company and I was helping them sell products. I was in marketing, marketing research, and I thought I understood consumer behavior. Um, but then I had a spiritual awakening and I left to uh, go to seminary where I studied religion. And while I was in this, while I was working on my degree in religion, I found a um, a theory that kind of explained everything to me. And I looked at things in a very different way. And that's what I'm writing books about. And that's what I give talks about all, to groups all over the country. Um, and what I'm finding is that a lot of the groups, they're, they're concerned about the relationships in their families, that they can't talk to their brother or their cousin or even their mother or their father. And what I've discovered in the work that I've that I've uncovered. Now, I didn't do any of the research. I'm just reading the, the papers and talking to the researchers who did this research, but, and then trying to put it into, into usable language so that everybody, it can be accessed by everybody. And what I've discovered is that what's really underneath all of it is a, is a fundamental difference in how we view the world. Um, people who are disagreeing, some of them, on one side, you have people who are um, who think the world is, a, is an unsafe place, and that means they have to hold on to what they have, and they're really afraid of change. And then you have people who are um, feel the world is a safe place, but some things need to be fixed, so they want to change those things, and that puts people in a collision course for for disagreement and conflict because the people who want to change stuff run into the people who want to hold on to what they have and don't change stuff. And that's the fundamental underpinning of what's going on. Well, I mean, I've studied history, even ancient civilization and how religion was created and even how the government was created. If you go back in time and in history, and I've always tried to put myself back in those times, how I dressed, what, you know, what was going on in the environment, even the food and 
what was available, you know, back in those times. Uh, I was fascinated just learning that. And then I'm looking going, well, wait a minute. It's like I see it on a, a movie screen in my mind's eye of, oh, my God, we're repeating history. It's just a different time period until we wake up and realize that, hey, that was then, this is now. And in order for new stuff to come in, you got to let go of the old. Would you agree? Well, but some people are so afraid of losing what they have that they want to hold on to it. And we need to pay attention to the fact that they want to hold on to it because we shouldn't get rid of everything. We need to hold on to the good parts. So what I'm trying to do, my I'll call it a ministry because that's what it is for me, um, is to help people see the other side and see, okay, well, yeah, we want to change stuff, but there are stuff we want to hold on to and help the other people say, see, oh, well, you know, yes, I want to hold on to stuff, but maybe there is some things I need to fix. I want to help people find a common ground. So would it be safe to say that, okay, looking at it in a different perspective, how you help others um, to acknowledge first and foremost but then i look at even like the stuff that i have i look at it especially with the wardrobe if i haven't worn it six months to a year there's most likely a chance i'm not gonna wear it again so let it go so would it be safe to say that look at what you're holding on to does it still serve my purpose to hold on to this or is it outdated just like our mindsets our our belief system right. that the same yeah if people can do that that's great but the problem is is that we get so some people get so caught up in protecting what they have because they feel attacked that they can't get to that point so they have we have to stop making them feel attacked so that they can do that well, then they're operating under a fear, which is false evidence appearing real. And a lot of times I've heard like, well, yeah, you're going to have that feeling of that false evidence appearing real, but you won't know unless you try to see if it happens or not happen. What if something good comes about it? You know, you're just having an experience. You really don't know what is actually going to happen. But you won't know unless you try. Right. So what happens when you're afraid is you tense up. And you get very protective. And what, what I'm trying to do in my work is give people tools to help the people who are tensed up. My work isn't to the people who are tensed up. My work is to help people who want things to change but are running into roadblocks and give them the tools to help them to help them help the people who are tensed up to relax and feel like they're being listened to. And then once they feel listened to and feel like people think they're really taking into account what they say, then they probably are willing to move on and let go a little bit. But until we can get to that point, while we're so tensed up, we're just not listening to each other. 
Well, isn't it part of the programming? Like we're taught by our upbringing, society, and even religion of this is how you should be. This is what you should do. And it limits your way of thinking outside the box, especially when you're a young child, because as a young child, you're looking up to your parents, you know, society and religion, and you don't know. And if you start questioning that, and then they turn around and sort of shut you down because that you're limiting your expression by even asking a question. So that stems a, wow, if I speak up, even sharing my thoughts or my opinions or my point of views, I'm getting shut down. So then they just withdraw and that puts another fear into you. And that's a lot of what's going on today. Yes, that's a lot of what's going on today. There's just a lot of fear. And somehow we have to get out of this, this cycle because, you know, this, is, this isn't going away. It's not being resolved. We need something beyond just the typical stuff that we do. We need new tools. We need a new way to talk to each other. We need a new way to listen to each other. And it's okay to disagree. You don't have to get violent. You don't have to be verbally abusive. You can actually listen to somebody's point of view. And this is what I've learned to do is, oh, I listen. I'm like, oh, okay, that's an interesting perspective. I disagree with you. But if that's what you want to think and what you want to believe, that's your choice. Well, the latest thing that I'm working with is a model that is based on a... Um another Quaker. Now I'm a Quaker, so a lot of my influences come from the Quaker world. And this is a woman who was killed a few years ago, who um, was a gay rights activist. And she had a foundation called Love's Make a Love Makes a Family. And she had a lobbying effort that she um, did in, um, in Oregon to try to uh, keep some laws from being passed that would restrict the uh, gay rights. And um, she came up with this, this mnemonic that I've adopted and kind of changed a little bit. So my version is to, uh, and by the way, her name is Bonnie Tinker, and I want to do homage to her because she was a wonderful woman with a great impact. Um, and so my version is to start by asking questions, to, to be curious, to ask real questions, then to listen to what you, because after all you ask, so you should listen, right? <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, and then to find something to agree with. There should be something that you can agree with. And when you do that, when you go through those three steps, then people start to relax. And then you can respond with, but here's what I disagree with, or here's my perspective, or have you thought about it this way? Mm -hmm. And then people are much more likely to, to listen to you when you give them that time to, to think and to express themselves and the respect to say, you know, yes, your opinion matters. Uh, I agree with you. That, that does wonders when somebody says that they agree with you on something. And then um, I have a special form of it that I call reframing, which I talk about in my book, which you can see a picture behind me of the book cover, Persuade, Don't Preach. Um, where you take a value that's important to the other person and you use that in what you say. 
And when somebody's values are being used in such a way that shows that you share them, they just can, she's just gonna blossom and, and, and bloom. Um, and I use that Aesop fable to describe, um, really to illustrate what happens when you, when you can do this sort of talking in this way. Um, and it's the Aesop fable, the sun and the wind. And the sun and the wind decided to, which, to have a contest to see which one would be the most powerful. Uh, and they were trying to get the traveler to take off their cloak. And the wind went first and it blew as hard as it could. And of course, what does the traveler do? But it holds onto their cloak really tightly. And that's what happens when we have an argument with somebody when we're talking from our own perspective. They hold onto their beliefs so tightly that they don't listen. They just hold on to it, and it actually makes it stronger. And the research shows this. I mean, this this is a fable, but it's actually true when we talk about how what happens when we talk to each other. And then the the sun goes next, and it comes out, and it warms up the earth. And of course, what the traveler does is take off their cloak and sit on it and bask in the sun and relax. And that's what happens when we can talk to somebody in a way that they can hear us they can relax and they can listen and we can change minds. And there's actually research, it's amazingly enough, there's psychological research to show that this technique works. This changes people's minds. Um, the kind of work that Bonnie Tinker did, the kind of research that I'm basing this on, it really has been shown to work tremendously well. It isn't easy, we have to learn new stuff, but it does work. So I'm excited about the possibility of people learning these new skills, and these new tools, um, so that we can start to talk to each other in a much more productive way. Wow, I agree with you on that. Um, <laughs> and it's and it, to me, it's you know, it's you know, I, I listened to and read books from Dr. Joe Dispenza, and he's like, "What you think, what you feel, what you do, and if you have an experience, which is energy, emotion, how you feel." And if you hold on to whatever experience or whatever you think about, whatever you believe, you create um, a, a personal personality, which then creates your personal reality. And a lot of people are just, it's like Groundhog's Day. You're reliving the same thing and doing the same thing over and over. And that to me is like the definition of insanity. You want different results, but you keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results and nothing's happening. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. We need to do something different. And it's like, why not do something different? That's the one thing I've learned about history. Our ancestors didn't know any better. You know, in those times, they thought that was, you know, other, it was operating under manipulation, greed, and control. And there were some that stepped out of the box and was persecuted for it. And then it's like, well, what did we learn from all this? They didn't know any better. What can we do now in this time to stop? repeating that pattern that cycle that's been passed down for generations and generations and what can we do to make it better and i applaud you on creating something that will help change the way we think 
Yeah, I was so excited to to read the the work that I've been reading and and hear that there is a way because otherwise it just feels so we feel so stuck. And you know, I give talks to people, um, all different kinds of talks, and people are just so excited to hear that there is something they can do differently, and um, you know, it gives them hope because there's a lot of people who don't have very much hope right now. Because well, with everything going on, but I understand everything happens. There has to be some form of chaos to open up the door for the change to come as well. We might not like how the chaos happens, but you've been longing for change, but resisting the change willingly. And then something drastic has to happen in order for it to, hello, now's your chance. <laughs> And it's funny because I know you could probably relate to this when a catastrophe happens. Like I live in Florida. So when the hurricanes come, everybody shifts their energy, wanting to help the community to get, you know, boarded up and, you know, make sure everybody. But then there's times where they go back to that old pattern. And I'm thinking of they're all about themselves and, and this and that and the other. And I'm like, well, why is it when a catastrophe ha happens? Why does it have to be when a catastrophe happens? Everybody unites together. It doesn't have to be that way. It could be like this. If we could do that every day, it shifts the energy. And things do even accelerate in getting better and better. Right. Well, one of the things that I've discovered is that we... In the, again, in the research that I've been reading and, and working with, um, is that we all share the same values or underpinnings of our belief system. But what's different is that we place a different importance on them and a different interpretation on them. And it's those differences in importance and interpretation that causes our conflict. And if we can recognize the commonality of the values that we all share, even though we put a different spin on it, we should be able to see and recognize what's underneath it. And you just touched on one of them when you talked about what happens in a hurricane. That's the value of what I call belonging community. So it's something that people don't place as high an importance on as they do other times. So sometimes they place a lot of importance on it, such when a hurricane comes, and sometimes they place a little bit of importance on it. So even within a time frame, you see a difference. But if you can recognize that we all share that and appreciate it in the other person, you know, appreciate that the person does value that. Um, and then some people have greater, you know, there are people who do a lot of community work. They probably put a lot more importance on, on that value. And that may not be what your importance is, but recognize that they do it and appreciate them for it and thank them for it. I mean, if you just thank people for the work they do, that would go a long way. Absolutely. And uh, I agree with you on that. And I just tell people in general, oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, just well, thank you. <laughs> I do too. But I, I also notice that when I can pick something specific to thank them for that goes to who they are, that just makes them light up. Like I'm, I'm working on a committee here in the community that I live in, in New Jersey. Um, and there's a woman who took on the responsibilities of a co-chair of this committee I'm on. And, you know, she's very good, she's very organized and she's very good at, at getting people to come to meetings and stuff. 
and and you know nagging people and stuff. She's just really great at it. And I, I the last couple of times that we've met, I've just really I thanked her for, for doing all that because I don't want to. I'm not good at that. <laughs> I don't. That's not me. You know, I need to appreciate the gifts that different people have. And when you do that, when it is a gift, that just makes people light up. They feel appreciated. They feel. I think everybody, every single one of us, just wants to feel appreciated, feel wanted. Right, and they feel appreciated for who they are, not just in general, but specifically for who they are. And that's what I think. Talking to people's values, um, the way I do, my, I talk about in my book, um, where if you can mirror back to somebody that you share those values, that just makes them feel very, you know, appreciated and special. So what about, you know, with the dynamics of family, when you have someone in the family that not just disagrees with, like everybody's values are different because they establish, they think differently and whatnot. And there's that division in the in the family because someone's thinking differently or does something totally opposite of what how they were brought up and whatnot. What would you how would you share on how to deal with people that are still in that kind of division in the family? Even down to football. Oh my God, I see that. I'm like, it's like house divided. You got the Florida Gators and the Florida Seminoles. And I'm like, really? <laughs> like <laughs> Well, this tool doesn't work for every single conflict, I have to say. <laughs> but um, I'll give you an example from my own life. So um, one of the values, there, there's five values. Let me just run through them. There's belonging, community, respect for authority, uh, sacredness, purity, uh, fairness, and care for others. And as I said, we all have different interpretations of them. We all have different importance on them than the other person. And I happen to have a particularly different um, importance on um, the sanctity and purity value. Um, I'm very comfortable with a mess of papers next to me. I've, I've cleaned them all up so you don't see them, but they're out of sight. Um, you know, my, my bed stand has a whole bunch of stuff on it. And my husband's is totally clear, okay? <laughs> and um, he used to complain about the stuff I would leave around, and he used to use the word filth. And I couldn't understand why he was so upset. Why did, it's not dirty, it's just messy. So what was going on? Well, his interpretation, his value that's really important to him, more important than I am, than my have, is to um, the sanctity purity, cleanliness is next to godliness kind of thing. That's the, so he really, really, really values the uh, clean surface and no papers and no, you know, no closets that are full and just clean spare kinds of things. And, and that's just not important to me. When I realized that the core of that was this sanctity purity, it was like, oh, that's what's going on. I need to honor that with him. So I don't clean up my space, but I clean up our spaces. So that any space that he's going to use 
his side of the his dresser I don't get involved with you know um, and the kitchen's always I'll always clean the kitchen and you know the, the shared spaces I'm going to honor his values in the way he interprets them just because his interpretation is useful also and important and you know his, his he deserves to be honored in that way well then Karen can I ask you a question could it also stem from his upbringing of what he was taught of what should be a value too. Like, I mean, I'm just thinking like if you had a parent that was OCD, you know, a germ phobia and constantly, and he saw that growing up, could that also be something that, you know, he took on as well? Um, I don't see that in his family. So, and his siblings have different relationships with cleanliness and neatness and stuff than he does. So I just think it's, it's his particular interpretation. And like I said, this theory helped me understand how deep it went for him because this goes to his very values. I can see that it's just not a preference. It's something that's so important to him that, you know, it, it really caused a major conflict between us and you know my recognizing it and being willing to do something because I saw how important it was to him because of I, this work that I've been doing has really helped us in the last few years after I've been doing this work so that's just one way that you can do it is to recognize the other person's values and and think about what it means to them and see them in a different way because of that oh, wow. it yeah <laughs> <laughs> well then um you have the the book persuade don't preach right it's available on amazon and all the usual online bookstores and, and what i have a, um i have a newsletter uh called mending fractured relationships where i talk about these other tools that i talked about um the asking listening uh affirming and responding or, or reframing um and the newsletter is free and there's a there's a link on my website, and I think Kimberly, you're going to put one in your in the show notes. Yes, um, I asked so for that. Subscribe. I don't know. I was like, if because if, if this relates to somebody and can help somebody, I I'm you know every guest that I have, I just put here's the information. You can contact them. You can on my podcast. I put this YouTube channel of our interviews so someone can watch it. You know, because some people I realize that some like to watch, some just like to listen. So I give them both options. <laughs> Take great, <it>. great. <laughs> and and the book Persuade Don't Preach talks about the value systems that people have and the five values that I talked about and and what they're what's in, what's good about them, what's hard about them, what make what's causes problems. Um, you know, the belonging is is really good in terms of the community it creates with people and and people. If you don't belong to a group, I mean, it would be that's actually the cause of some mental illnesses is when you don't belong to a group um, and, and addictions and stuff like that. But the downside is, is that you end up with wars between groups that because of the belonging. So there's always a positive and there's always a negative to any value. Um, and to understand what the positives and negative are, that's what the book talks about. But then the book also talks about how to use them. So how can you recognize what somebody else's values are and then use that in what you're saying so that they can hear you. And I'm really hoping that we can build bridges 
by using these techniques. The, and I'm, I've got other ones that I'm also talking about in my newsletter. So I'm excited about this work. Um, it's not what I expected to be doing. I thought I would be in corporate America for years until I retired, but I have this great new project and I'm just so excited about it and, and happy to help groups. And, and I, I love talking to groups about this. Um, I give talks to churches and community organizations and libraries and um, people who are really hungry for to hear that there is, there is something that they can do to help heal, you know, on a one-to-one -one level. We need to, we need to heal this country. We need to heal the world on a, on a one-to-one -one relationship. I just heard on a one-to-one -one basis. Um, I just heard somebody talk about um, this elderly, elderly married woman who said that she has all these conflicts with her husband, but she always keeps in mind that the relationship is the most important thing. And that's I think something I think we've lost sight of. And I want to try to uh, carry that message is that we need to do what we can to mend the relationships, um, to not let the conflicts tear us apart, and that by staying in relationships, we will come to understand each other and come to resolve the conflicts eventually. It's not going to be easy. It's not. This is not an easy road. If it was easy, we would have done it. <laughs> But we're here now and we need to react to where we are. And I love what you said about chaos because I think there is a lot of chaos and we need, you know, we needed the chaos before we're ready to change. So thank you for that, Kimberly. I'm going to borrow that. Oh, you're welcome. And, you know, another thing I realized that, you know, some relations weren't meant to last. You know, people come into your life for a season only. And I've learned the more I evolve, and change the way I think, the way I feel. I even change my values. You know, val your values change in time too. Well, it used to be a priority, is no longer a priority now. And, you know, my friendships come and go, you know, because I, I moved on to a whole, I guess, a next chapter and journey in my life. And some of those relationships just no longer serve its purpose to be in my in my life. And I've accepted that. At first, yeah, I go through the, you know, anger and whatnot. But then I realize, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe this was meant to be because I'm, I'm going this way. And this relationship, friendship, or whatever it is, it doesn't fit into where I'm going. So I... Just love them enough, let them be, and move forward because I have a purpose. I have a path, and there's certain people that need to come into my life that I need to make room with that understand what I'm doing to help me along my path. Would you agree that there is that as well? Oh, absolutely. I mean, not all relationships are meant to to continue, and they serve different purposes in different parts of your life. And you know, I've changed tremendously over my lifespan, which is probably not usual. Um, you know, changed careers. My, my personality has changed to a certain degree. Um, I, you know, in my early adulthood, I would have not never come on here uh, to talk to you <laughs> because I was so self-conscious and shy and, and I wouldn't, you know, so so I've done a lot of I've done a lot of personal growth work, which I know you have too, Kimberly. Um, recovered from a lot of uh, issues. Um, I recognize the false evidence appearing real um, acronym uh, for fear, um, and 
I think that, you know, we, when we are at different places in our lives, we need, we, we attract different people. I mean, that's part of, that's part of uh, the cycle of life is you attract what you are. Um, but I guess what I'm talking about is the relationships that we want to continue, mm-hmm. that we want to heal. Um, and that we, we don't have the tools to continue with because we don't know how to do it. And I think oftentimes we rush out of the relationship and, and leave the situation, leave the, the relationship entirely when we don't have to if we learn new tools. That's awesome and amazing. Uh, and is there another book coming out? I'm working on a book by the same uh, title as the newsletter, uh, Mending Fractured Relationships. Um, and then I have a book that I wrote before that, which is about marketing and how these concepts are applied to marketing, because that was my background. Um, it all ties in together. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So it's all, about, it's all about tools, how we can learn to use new ways to bring ourselves together and to talk to each other in ways that we can understand and hear each other. And have the the mutual respect that it's okay to disagree. Yes, yes, yes. And humility. Somebody said that on Tuesday on a group that I was talking to, and I just really want to mark that because I thought it was such a wise thing that, you know, our way of doing things may not be the best way, and we need to be humble enough to recognize that and to look for new stuff and look for things that we can learn from people, you know, that we don't expect. And, and it's then you're not experiencing failures. You're just having an experience that didn't work well. And then somebody comes along and offers you a new idea, a new thought, a different perspective, and then you try again. And eventually you'll get there. You'll succeed in accomplishing whatever it is that you, you put out there, or the vision or whatever it is that you have. And mine is, Hey, if it's a win-win for everyone, then it's a good idea. Well, I guess my first book, I would almost consider a failure because it really didn't sell many copies. Um, you know, I, I did things like I gave it away to a group of people and people were excited to get, get it for free and I got good reviews and but then, and I, I offered a free one that they could give away and people gave it away and I thought, oh, well, this is good and then everything just died down. And I was like, Oh, no, what's going on. But what happened was that um, I would talk about the book to friends of mine who were not in marketing, and they would think that the the ideas in it were really good. And they want to know more. So they got the book, even though they they weren't marketing, which was, you know, thank you, friends for doing that. (laughs) But then they were like, well, I like these ideas, but I'm not marketing. So what do I do? How do I apply these? So I wrote the second book for them for those friends of mine. Um, so I'm trying to pay attention to what my, what the people want and what's, in, what's needed. And that's why the, the mending fractured relationships is going to be next because, um, you know, it was an idea that, you know, I gave a presentation on persuade don't preach to a, a church group. And somebody talked about this woman who was an activist who had this technique and he gave me the technique name, but he got it wrong. But, you know, that's okay, <laughs> uh, you know, and I'm, I'm working to make it mine and, and working with it. And, um, you know, I've got a, a couple hundred subscribers to my newsletter so far, which is pretty good so far. And um, 
things are things are rolling around much better than they were for my marketing books. So um, it's exciting to see how people respond, and they're they're very interested in it. So, well, that's awesome, Karen. And you know, it's it's fascinating because we're here on this planet in this on this earth just to have experiences and learn in order to grow and expand and on a soul level we're all here to help one another and recognizing that you know when there's a will there's a way if there's a problem there's a solution and it's the patience of just pausing and let it come to light to where things can get better anything's possible as long as you believe Yeah, I, I think that, so I'll get to a theological discussion that there are two forces in the universe. There's the force of creativity, which is what I think you're describing. And then there's entropy. And the two are always intention. And, um, you know, being on the side of creativity is where, you know, what we're given is we're given that ability to be creative. Um, but we're always fighting against the entropy. So not everything. What's that? Explain the entropy. Entropy is everything decays. Uh, Our bodies age, the, you know, the things we get, the things, you know, everything, everything decays. Just everything is, is in the process of decaying and falling apart. And so creativity is in tension with that, is trying to overcome that. And, um, you know, and so there's always this, this fight going on. And so it isn't, oh, you can't always overcome entropy. You can try, but you can't always overcome it. Well, it's just like to me, the seasons, you know, we have, you know, the summer, then the fall, then you got winter. Things have to die. And then spring comes and then everything comes back to life. I just think it's a, an ongoing process is just the way people interpret it. Yes, and that's the that's the process of life, and that's the the two elemental forces in the in the universe is or or you know intention and at, at war basically, um, and you know we're given the power of creativity to overcome some of entropy and some of it we can't. Well, I just look at it this way: this is my temporary home. I'm in this human being i'm a spiritual being a sexual being inside this human being that happens to come into this earth as a redhead woman and i'm just now at a place i mean i'm over 50 and it's like okay now my life begins and i'm here to enjoy it now i've done everything i can to do what i can raise children you know a single mom and now I'm enjoying my life now. I decided that, you know, it's my time. I'm worth it. I deserve it. I've overcame. And now I'm going to live my passion, my dreams, and make my dreams a reality. And I love doing talk shows. I think I had it when I was a kid watching Oprah Winfrey. I think I connected to it then. Now looking back. I'm like, yeah, I did say that. 
I wanted to do that. I wanted to be like Oprah Winfrey, but do it. I didn't know what I was going to be doing. I just knew I was going to be on TV, talk show, whatever. I didn't know what I was, you know, the full details of it. But then life started happening. And then now in what, 20, 2011, I started my virtual talk show and then went to a divorce. I had to put it on the back burner. And now here I am doing it. And I'm, I love it. This is what I truly love. I love having intellectual conversations, getting other people's perspective on things. And it's a platform to be able to have people like you on my show. And, and there's somebody listening or somebody watching that can resonate with it. And it, my intention is I just want to help somebody change their perspective, change what they believe in order to transform form their lives for the better and live their best life now. That's wonderful. And I applaud you for that. Well, thank you. And it was a pleasure having you on this show today. I thank you so much. I'm putting all the information for people who want your book, even if they want to get in business and learn about marketing, they should get your book because that yes. could help them in their business. Yes. You know, with everything that's been happening, you have to be creative in your marketing skills in your business. Yeah, I am working on a new project that's just really just starting out that isn't yet at the point where I'm writing a book, um, but it's about um, stakeholder. Uh, so back in the business world, um, stakeholder strategy. So the whole thing about shareholders should be prominent, be the, the primary um, ways in which business is evaluated and prioritized. And now the business roundtable says something different. And I'm like, okay, well, they don't really tell you how. So I'm going to go back to the business world and tell them how. So I've got, I got a number of irons in the fire. Wow. Well, I wish you the best of success, Karen. And once again, thank you for joining us today. I, it's truly an honor and I'm very humbled by having you here sharing your wisdom with us. And I really do hope it helps somebody today. I hope so too. Thank you very much for having me and giving me the opportunity. Absolutely. And I would look forward to having you back on the show when you get to that project and uh, it starts to launch out. I'd love to have you back to share that. Great. Thank you. Well, there you go. A new perspective on looking how we don't have to be divided. We can have our own opinions and own point of views and be able to communicate still and get along. So look forward to another amazing guest, an amazing interview right here on Wake Up With KC. Till then, make it a great day. Do you agree that, you know, it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility, even for our ancestors that did not know any better? I've been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation. <laughs>